This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Psalm 119 is where we find ourselves today. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in all the Bibles, 170 plus verses in Psalm 119. And we're going to read every single one of them and exposit every single one. And so I hope you packed the lunch for today because we're going to be here for a while. No, I kid. Uh, we're not going to do that. What we're going to do is we're going to take the 30,000 foot view of the book of uh, the chapter of Psalm 119 because there's so much good stuff. We're just going to hit the high parts today. How about that? And I would encourage you, maybe if you've got time this week, to study out Psalm 119. Basically, the longest chapter in all of the Bible is written about the psalmist's love for God's word. And we'll take a look at that uh, this morning. We're just going to read the first uh, 16 verses here uh, this morning in Psalm 119, uh, starting in verse number one. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they which keep his testimonies and seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned of thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes, O forsake me not utterly. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed, therefore, according to the word. With my whole heart I have sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in the statutes. I will not forget thy word. As you look at the year 2022 and as we embark on a brand new calendar year, I hope you got some good goals that you have set or some things you want to accomplish this year and things along those lines. That's helpful to kind of know where you're going. Uh, you know, I put together some goals that I want to see accomplished, not only personally, but in my family and as a Christian and for our church and things like that. I think it's helpful to look forward to the future. But if you're looking for like a magic bullet that's just going to make everything come together, it just doesn't exist. Uh, I know from experience, I, over the course of my lifetime, have probably lost and gained again, probably about 300 pounds or so uh, over the course of my life. Every, if you've got a diet, I promise you I've tried it, whether it be the Whole30, whether it be the, the South Beach diet, whether it be the Hollywood cleanse, uh, whether it's the grapefruit diet, diet, I've probably given it at least 24 hours worth of consideration. And so I consider myself somewhat of an expert on all the different nutrition plans and how basically at the end of the day they don't work it comes down to this eat less exercise more right everybody knows that and so the problem isn't so much the information as it is the application sometimes well if it comes to walking with Jesus there's no silver bullet that's just going to make your walk with Christ just be automatically better overnight it doesn't work that way Walking with Jesus doesn't need to be measured in days and weeks. It gets measured in years and decades. But there are some things that we can do as Christians to begin to see results immediately. And what if there was one thing that you could do this year that would change your life 
forever. Would you be willing to do it? If I said to you, there's one thing that if you do this, it will change your life forever. I think most of us would say, tell me more. How, how, what is this one thing that I could possibly do that would change my life forever? What if I told you that there was one thing that you could do that you would receive a multitude of God's blessings upon your life? Would you be willing to do that? I think most of you say, tell me more and I'll consider it. I got the answer for you. It's simple, but it requires some commitment on your part. It's really easy. Anybody, a kid can do it. A child could do it. But it requires a little bit of discipline on your part. And the one thing that will change your life forever, the one thing that you could do to receive a multitude of God's blessings upon your life is this. You ready for it? Read and obey the Bible. You like that? You thought it was going to be something like super deep. This is not 12 ways to, to develop your walk with Christ this year. This is not one of those. It's really simple. Read the Bible and obey it. You say, well, what else is there? That's, that's kind of it. So uh, we'll have a word of prayer and be dismissed. I'm not going to let you off that easy. I've got, got a whole book of uh, Psalm 119 to go through, a whole chapter to go through today. But there's one thing that you can do in your life that would bring monumental results. And that is just whatever you see in the Bible, just do it. Simple as that. I remember Angela and I probably, at this point, probably 21, 22 years ago, uh, we're at a Sunday night preaching service at a church. I, I don't even remember who was speaking. I think it was the pastor. I'm not 100% sure. I do not have any clue whatsoever as what the message was about. But what I got from it was this, obey what you know. And so I remember at the end of that service, I reached over and I grabbed my wife's hand and we prayed together. And I prayed one of the simplest yet most complex prayers I've ever prayed in my entire life. And here it was. God, from here on out, whatever you tell us to do, we're just gonna do it. Amen. That's it. Short, one sentence prayer. But I remember that today like it was yesterday because that commitment changed the rest of my life. The rest of my life is changed because of that one commitment. I'll go so far as to say this. You're seated here this morning at Hui Kala Baptist Church on the first Sunday of 2022 because of a prayer that was prayed over two decades ago where one couple said, God, whatever you tell us to do, we're going to do it. Now, has it been easy? No, definitely not easy. Has there been things that we don't like? For sure, things we don't like. Things that were uncomfortable? No doubt about it. But knowing God's word and obeying God's word will alter the trajectory of your life in a positive way that you can't even fathom right now. Here's the thing, reading God's word is good. Romans chapter 10, verse number 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why you need to read the Bible every single day. That's why you need to be in church every single time the doors are open. Look, if you have sporadic Sunday morning church attendance, you might hear God's word preached or taught maybe 30, 45 times a year if your church attendance is moderately sporadic. If you're a Sunday morning without fail kind of Christian, you'll hear the Bible 52 times a year preached and taught. If you come Sunday morning and Sunday night, you'll hear God's word preached 104 times 
every single year. If you are part of a small group during the middle of the week where we read through the Bible, discuss it together as a group, and pray together with other Christians, you will hear the Bible taught and preached 150 plus times every single year. So you just do the math. One who hears the Bible 30 times, one who hears the Bible 150 times, which one do you think will have the capacity to grow the most? The one who hears it more. Just simple as that. Now, let's say that we obeyed what we heard only 50% of the time. Which, let me say this. If you only obey 50% of what you hear, you're a terrible Christian. You thought I was going to give you props, didn't you? Like, good for you. Just do your best. No, if, you, if God says do this and you do it half of the time, you're a terrible Christian. Simple as that, okay? Let's just be honest. But if you are a terrible Christian, you only obeyed 50% of the time, but you're here 30 times a year, then you obey 15 times. If you obey 50% of the time and you're here 150 times, you obey 75 times. You see the difference there? It's, it's just math when it comes down to it. You say, well, it can't be that easy. Romans chapter 10, verse number 17 does. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more you hear God's word, your faith will grow. That's a biblical fact. I even tell people that aren't Christians to read the Bible. Because if they want their faith to grow, the only way that you're going to get faith is by hearing the word of God. Just take notes if you have an uh, unsafe friend, uh, relative, or maybe you're not even a Christian yet. I would encourage you, first of all, read the book of John. The book of John is fascinating. First of all, John's whole goal of writing the Gospel of John was to prove the fact that Jesus Christ is God. And he starts off in the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1 1. Skip down to verse number 14. The Word became flesh. It dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God became a man and dwelt among us in the form of Jesus Christ. And to them that believed on his name, to them gave he powers to become the sons of God. That you and I can be the sons and daughters of God because of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And you continue to read through the book of John. Jesus deals with very religious people. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. John chapter 4, the woman at the well Jesus sits down with her and shares the fact that he is the Messiah that she's heard from and an entire city gets saved as a result of Jesus Christ just visiting a town and sitting at a well and talking with a lady. You get into the later parts of John, John 14, 15, 16, Jesus begins to expound incredible truth on who the Holy Spirit is. He makes us a promise in John chapter 15. It says, if any man abide in me, the same brings forth much fruit. And just John is just power packed from beginning to end of who Jesus is. And then I encourage people that are not Christians or maybe you're a new Christian or just trying to figure this whole thing out, read through the book of Romans. The book of Romans now takes the fact that Jesus Christ is God and died for the sins of the world and the book of Romans points out why you need Jesus so badly. We get to Romans chapter number three. It tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have broken God's law. Romans tells us that there's none righteous, no, not one. That even you, on your best day, fall short of God's expectation. Even me, on my best day, fall short of God's expectations. We're all sinners, is what Romans points out for us. You get to Romans chapter 6, and it tells us that 
that the wages of sin is death. That because of our sin, we deserve to die. The consequences of my sin, the consequences of your sin is not only physical death, but spiritual death as well. That after you die, Hebrews tells us to point unto man once to die, after that the judgment. That you and I will stand before a holy God one day. And because of that, we'll have to pay for the penalty of our sins. And the Bible tells us that that is God's wrath in hell. Revelation chapter 20 tells us that the second death is when those that have sinned against God, which is us, are cast into the lake of fire. If you ever wonder how you can settle up with God, the only way that you and I in our own power can settle up with God is to take the punishment for our sins, which is death and hell. That's how you make things right with God. You say, well, it sounds like a crummy way to make things right. I agree, and so did God. And so if you read again the book of Romans, you get to Romans chapter five, and it says, if there was a decent guy, there might be a handful of people that would be willing to die for him. You take a really, really good man, maybe there's a a handful more that would be willing to die as well. But you get to Romans chapter five, verse number eight, and it says this, but God commendeth or demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hmm. So Romans tells us that we were supposed to die, but Jesus died in our place. You and I were supposed to be punished for our sin. Jesus was punished on our behalf. You and I were supposed to endure the wrath of God. Jesus endured the wrath of God on our behalf. But Romans chapter 10 tells us that it's a personal decision for each and every one of us to receive that gift of eternal life. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 tells us that we have to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Master of our life, that he was raised again the third day, victorious over sin, death, the grave, and we must repent or turn from our sin and turn to Jesus Christ to be saved. If there's never been a time in your life where you've been saved or born again, maybe you're sitting here today and he's like, I don't really know if I died today I would go to heaven. Please understand, you don't have to join a church, you don't have to do religious stuff, you don't have to be baptized, you don't have to go to a class. You need to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You must believe that he is the only way to heaven and you must turn from your sin and receive God's forgiveness for your sin. And friend, if you would do that, you can be saved today. You can be born again today. The word saved and born again mean the same thing. If you're here today, you say, I don't know for sure that I'm saved. You can be saved today before you walk out the door. And I would highly encourage you that we don't know how much time we have left on this earth, but the Bible tells us that we need to prepare to meet God. And the only way that you can do that is by knowing for sure your sins are forgiven. And friend, everything else that I talk about today doesn't amount to a hill of beans if you do not know for sure that you are saved the Bible way. Simple as that. And so the Bible tells us that. And so it's a good thing to read the Bible because the Bible increases our faith. But reading and obeying the word is best. Hui Kahlo is probably about 90 days old or less and I was working in the front. I think I was cleaning the windows out front of the, the church building. Uh, and so uh, there's a guy that walked by and it's like, oh, church. He's like, how long have you guys been here? And I said, man, we just got started. And uh, he asked where we were from. And, and I said, well, you know, we spent some time here in Hawaii. We went, went to California for about 10 years and came back. And he said, oh, I lived in California for a while. I said, what were you doing there? He's like, I was going to school. I said, what would you go to school for? He said, I went to Fuller Theological Seminary. I said, man, that's cool. What did you study? 
And he said, well, I had a, a, a bachelor's in religious studies, and he said, I'm my undergrad, and he said, my graduate work and my, my, um, my master's and my doctorate was in ancient biblical languages. Wow, that's impressive. I said, so like Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic? He goes, yeah, man, know them all, really fluent in those and really familiar with, with how the Bible fits together and, you know, uh, taking a look at Bible manuscripts and things like that and comparing and different texts and stuff like that. It's like, man, fascinating. I mean, this guy has forgotten more stuff about Greek and Hebrew than I would ever know in my lifetime. Fascinating. I said, Steve, man, where do you go to church? He was like, oh, I don't go to church anywhere. I said, well, what do you do? He said, well, I'm a, I'm a psychiatrist. He said, but I also own the bar that's on the corner up here at the end of the street. Oh, so you're not in church and you own a bar. Yeah. Well, all of this knowledge that he has about the Bible doesn't amount to a whole lot. He knows a lot about God. He knows a lot about God's word, but he has not begun to obey the word of God. And he said, man, we'd love to have you Come visit who we call us sometime. He's like, yeah, I'm just not a church-going guy anymore. I, I kind of did that for a while, and it's not my thing anymore. And I thought to myself, ugh. Talk about somebody who doesn't understand the scriptures. You might understand the language, but you don't understand the basics of what it means to walk with Jesus. And so it's good to know the Bible, but it's even better to know and obey the Bible. You see, James tells us that a guy who hears the word but doesn't do the word is like somebody who looks in the mirror and sees how messed up they are and then continues to go on without fixing what's broken. And James challenges us in James chapter 1, verse number 25, be hearers of the word, but also be doers of the word at the same time. And so it's important that as we read the Bible, we not only read it for information, but more importantly, we read it for application. It's a good thing to know a lot about the Bible, but if you don't apply it to your life, it's basically just another textbook. That if you read the Bible simply for information, it's not any different than reading a novel or reading the newspaper or scrolling your newsfeed on your phone. Because if all I have is head knowledge of the Bible and it doesn't change my life, it doesn't do me a lot of good. And sometimes you might hear somebody say, well, you know, he's got a lot of head knowledge, but he doesn't have the heart knowledge yet. That's the idea that God's word has not penetrated the depths of their heart to bring about change in their life. And let me just tell you this, if you're walking with Jesus and you're spending time in the word, your life will change. You cannot get around it unless you are just so hard-hearted and cold to the things of God that you can just read it day by day and it doesn't affect you. And if that's the case, then I'll tell you that you've quenched the Holy Spirit of God and friend, you find yourself in a very, very dangerous and precarious situation. Because the Bible is meant not to be a textbook, but to be a guidebook for life. And as we read the Bible, we become to know more about God. We become to be changed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And it brings our life into a totally different place. And living by the word lays for you and I a strong, unshakable foundation I take couples through premarital counseling. One of the things we go through in the very beginning is the fact that you will build your marriage from here on out on Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us no other foundation can any man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You build your, your house, your marriage, your life, your personal life on anything other than Jesus, please understand it will fail. 
if you, if you got your Bible handy, we're coming back to Psalm 119, so don't lose your place. But turn if you would over to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 is a familiar uh, parable that Jesus gives. You'll recognize it when we get there. Jesus talks a lot about laying a foundation here. Luke chapter 6, verse number 46. Jesus says, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? The word Lord means master. And if Jesus is master, that means that you and I are slaves. And Jesus says, you can't call me Lord and then not obey me because that means I'm not the master and you're not the slave. And so he says, you're calling me by a name that you don't really mean what you're saying. And he goes on and he says this, whosoever, verse number 47, whosoever cometh to me and beareth and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I'll show you whom he's like. He's like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid a foundation on a rock when the flood arose and the steam the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it's founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man without a foundation, built a house upon earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. We sometimes teach our kids a, a song in Sunday school. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. You know it, right? And then the rains came tumbling down, the rains came down, and the floods came up, rains came down, the floods came up, rains came down, the floods came up, and the house on the rock stood firm. Then we get to the, the foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the rains came tumbling down, and the house on the sand went, and the favorite part of all the kids, splat! And so then we tell him, so build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the idea is that don't build your house on the world or sin, but build your house on Jesus. And then when the rains come tumbling down, your house on the rock, Jesus, will be firm. And the, the prayers go up and the blessings come down and all that. So build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. Cute song. Our kids in super church sing it. We sing it in vacation Bible school. The principle, solid. Build your house on Christ and you'll be good. But please understand, that's not what this parable says. Okay? does it? It's not about building your house on Jesus or the world. It's not that Jesus is not even the foundation of this story. Take a look at verse 47, verse 47. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man who built his house upon a solid foundation so that when difficulty came, it stood firm. So here's what Jesus is saying. It's not about building your life on him. It's about hearing what he says and doing it. Look, you can call yourself a Christian and say you're building your house on Jesus Christ, but if you disobey the Bible, you're building your foundation on sand. Because you take a look at verse number 49, but he that heareth and doeth not is like a man without a foundation built upon a house upon the earth. And so let me just tell you, if you decide to hear what the Bible says and still choose to go your own way, you're going to fail and you'll fail miserably. And you say, well, that's not very nice, Pastor. I didn't say it. Jesus did. Here's what Jesus said. Your failure is not going to be just a little oopsie. Your failure is going to be catastrophic. Well, it doesn't say that word. Look at, look at verse 49. 
the ruin of that house was great. And what's it predicated upon? Both men heard the word, one chose to obey, one chose to disobey. And you're laying a foundation for the rest of your life. So I would challenge you this morning. You want to make 2022 the most successful year ever? It's not going to come from following people on Instagram or getting your inspo from people. It's not going to be coming from cutting out pictures and putting them on a bulletin board. And look, you can hashtag new year, new me all you want to. That doesn't change anything. All right? And frankly, it's not impressive either. You know what's going to change your life? You know what's going to change this year? Hear the word, obey it. Change your life. Like nothing you've ever seen before. And as we live by the word, we're able to receive the benefits that God promises for those who live by the word. So again, the Bible is not a textbook, it's a guidebook. You want to know how to raise your kids? Read the Bible. You want to figure out what's broken in your marriage? Read the Bible. You want to figure out how to deal with a difficult boss? Read the Bible. You want to figure out how to deal with frustrating family members? Read the Bible. It's all there. It's all good. And so when we look at the Bible and we live by the Bible, whatever this word says, that's what I'm going to do. Man, we receive God's benefits. First thing that it does is the Bible tells us what's right. If you go through our discipleship program, one of the first verses you're required to memorize is 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That word in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is by, given by inspiration, is the Greek word theonoustos, which literally means God-breathed. So again, the idea that this contains the thoughts of God in the Bible, simply not true. Every word was breathed out by God himself. This is not the thoughts of Paul and how to live life. These, this is the word of God. There was a false idea about the Bible that was going around. It was really popular back in the 80s. was the idea that the Bible contains the thoughts of God, but when we receive them into our heart, then it becomes the word of God alive in us. And that sounds really cute and philosophical and stuff like that. But please understand, if I choose to reject the Bible, it's still the Word of God. And you and I don't make it the Word of God. When God spoke it, it became the Word of God. When it was recorded for you and I, that is the process of inspiration. God used human people as he breathed out these words to write the Word for us. And so all Scripture is given by inspiration. How much of it? All of it. That means those first few chapters in the book of Chronicles that so-and-so begat so-and-so, who begat so-and-so, and who begat so-and-so, oh yeah, that was breathed out by God. And while it might be boring for us to read, it's helpful for us. That place in the book of Nehemiah where it lists the entire work party of all the people who built the, the wall, so-and-so built, so-and-so built, and so-and-so built, and so-and-so built. All that was breathed out by God and you need to read it. That's why I grinds my gears when people say things like, well, you don't really need the Old Testament. That's more history stuff. New Testament is the good stuff. No, all the Bible's good. Every bit of it, from cover to cover, it's all good. And it's all profitable to you and I, first of all, for doctrine. The word doctrine means a body of truth. It helps you to know what is right. Next is profitable for reproof. That tells us what is wrong. 
And so if you live by the Bible, we know what's wrong. It's always interesting to me. People are like, well, what do you do when the Bible doesn't speak to something? The Bible speaks to everything. Well, not everything. Yes, it does. 100%. Well, the Bible doesn't say anything about smoking marijuana. It's now legal in a lot of states to smoke marijuana, so should Christians speak smoke marijuana? Is there a Bible verse that says, thou shalt not smoke marijuana? I'll give you this. There's not. But... The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the Spirit of God. So I think that kind of speaks to that. I'm not going to do what the world does. I'm going to allow the Spirit to transform me. The Bible tells us that we should live sober-minded. I think that speaks to that as well. The Bible tells us not to be drunk wherein is excess, but to be filled with or controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. I think that speaks to that as well. And while the word marijuana might not be found in the Bible, the principle is all over the Bible. You can't get around it. Well, should Christians do this, that, or the other? Hey, you can find the answer in the Bible. That's why we say that the Bible is authoritative. And look, at the end of the day, I don't really care a whole lot what you think should happen in a given scenario or situation. And here's the thing. It doesn't hurt my feelings that you don't care what I think about a given situation. Because at the end of the day, we should only care about what does God's word say about this situation. That's it. Look, if you wanted to to find a place to show up on Sunday mornings where somebody says something that you like to hear... You would pick or choose a church based on who has the most palatable message, who is the most entertaining, who's the most fun guy to listen to. Let me just tell you this, you wouldn't be here probably. I admit, not the most fun guy to listen to. But here's the thing, if you say, I just want to hear what the Bible says, believe it or not, that'll screen out about 90% of so-called churches these days. So the Bible tells us what's right, The Bible tells us what's wrong. The Bible tells us how to fix what's wrong. And so by living by the Bible, we know how to fix what's wrong. The Bible tells us. tells us how to fix it. I'm thankful for great promises of God's word. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all sin and to cleanse us from all all unrighteousness. Praise God for that. What do I have to do to make things right? Confess it and forsake it. That's it. Simple as that. And you're right. Right with God. Right as rain. I think it was Corey Ten Boom who said, when God forgives our sin, he casts it as far as the east is from the west and puts it in the depths of the sea and puts up a sign that says no fishing. I like that. Like, God's like done with that. Like, move on with your life. The Bible tells us how to fix what's right. That's for correction. And it tells us how to keep things right. That's instruction in righteousness. That's you and I knowing how to stay right. If we go back to Psalm 119, verse number 11, it says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so the Bible tells us how to stay right with God by hiding God's word in our heart. Now go back to Psalm 119, if you would, for a moment. We're going to take a look at some different verses. And again, we're just kind of hitting the high points of this. We're not going to take time on every single verse, but there's so much more that we could add to this list. But we also know how to stay away from sin by following the Bible. 
Psalm 119, verse number 101. I've refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. I've not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. So we stay away from sin by megadosing on the word of God. Maybe you're, you've got a smart mouth on you and you like to pop off in anger from time to time. You know what you should do? You should study what the Bible says about anger. You should memorize some verses and meditate on verses on anger. Maybe you like to complain a lot. You should take a look at what the Bible has to say about complaining and then meditate on that. It's going to allow you to see where you're wrong and allow you to stay away from those things that cause you to fall towards sin. The Bible gives us clear indications how we can cleanse ourselves from sin. Psalm 119, verse number 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Hey, I follow the Bible. The Bible's going to allow me to keep a life that is clean from sin. Again, as I spend time in the Word, God's Word will point out areas of me that are wrong. And let me just tell you this. Sometimes people get frustrated because they come here and it's just like, what you said today was offensive. If you're offended by the Bible, that's how you know the Bible's doing its job. Right? Because again, if you come to church every single week and you're just like, yeah, right on, that's so good, that's so helpful, keep up the good work, yeah, amen. You're probably just a cheerleader and you're probably not allowing God's word to soak into the depths of your heart and allow you to to be changed by the word of God. I mean, think about it this way. I stand up here on a Sunday morning and I talk about the wonderful grace of Jesus greater than all of our sin. We talk about how you can't out the grace of God, that God's grace will follow you and will cover you. God's grace pursues you. He's ready with mercy to forgive. And you're like, amen, that's good. Praise God for that. And you're like, yes. I say, if you willingly sin against God, God will chastise you and chase you down and make your life so miserable that you hate your life until you come back and live in righteousness and repentance with God. You'd be like, well, that was really harsh. I didn't like that, the fact that God would chasten me. Hey, look, you can't have God's mercy without God's judgment. It's a package deal. And so if there's some things that you hear from time to time that rub you the wrong way, I encourage you, first and foremost, search the Scriptures whether those things are so. And if they're so, submit yourself to the authority of God's Word. Look, I read stuff all the time in the Bible that I don't like. You know why? Because it goes against my fleshly, carnal heart, and it begs me to change. And let me just tell you, I don't like to change. So allow God's word to search the depths of your heart. I heard one time it said, it's good to read the Bible. It's even better to allow the Bible to read you. I think there's some truth in that. I want the Bible to expose my heart. I want the Bible to show me what's wrong. I want to be like the psalmist where he says, see if there's any wicked way in my heart, and if there is, cleanse me from it. Next we find as we live by the word, we're made wise. Take a look at uh, Psalm 119, verse, um, we'll start in verse number 97. Psalm 119, verse 97. (laughs) 
Psalm 1997, oh, how I love thy law. It's my meditation all the day. Pause for just a second and think this. The psalmist says, I love the word, I love the law all day long. I can't stop thinking about how good it is. You might say, man, I love the Bible too, and sometimes I get like caught up in it and think about how good God is. Okay, got it. But remember, as the psalmist writes this, do you know what parts of the Bible he has? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Five books, that's all he's got. Name me your favorite, most encouraging verse from the book of Leviticus. Or even Deuteronomy. I'll wait for a minute. Does anybody have one that pops to mind? He didn't have Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He didn't have that. He didn't have the promise that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He didn't have Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates his love toward us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He had none of that. Yet he found great help and courage and enjoyment, joy, by meditating on God's goodness. Think about how much more the greater breadth that you and I have to be able to receive the truth of God's word and rejoice in it. But as we go on, he says, verse number 98, through, thou through com- thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, that means his ancestors, because I kept thy precepts. I've refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. Then he says, I'm wiser than my enemies, I'm wiser than my teachers, and I'm wiser than my ancestors. Now that sounds like a pretty boastful statement, pretty conceited statement, like, oh, I'm smarter than all these guys. But he didn't say he's smarter. He said he's wiser. And you'll find that being wise isn't knowing a lot of stuff. It's really obeying what you do know. And that's why you can have a guy that's been saved for 40 years that lives in the world and lives for himself that we would call a foolish man. Been saved for four decades, but he's a fool. But you got this guy over here who's been saved for 12 months that obeys every single thing that he finds in the Word, and we would say, this is a wise man. What's the difference? It's not time, it's application of the Word. And he says, I'm wiser than my enemies because I obey the Bible. I'm wiser than everybody who's ever tried to teach me anything because I obey the Bible. I'm wiser than all of my ancestors and anybody who has ever lived because I obey the Bible. And I'm telling you this, as you obey the Bible, you will become wise. And look, I've known guys in their 20s that are light years ahead of everybody else. Why? Because they're super smart. No, because they just obeyed the Bible. Really simple. Obeying the Bible makes you wise. As we decide to live by the book, we understand life from the appropriate perspective. We're able to flush out everything that the world says about life, and we're able to see things from God's perspective. We're able to see that everything that glitters isn't necessarily gold. We're able to see that all the stuff that we see on the internet and social media maybe probably isn't true. 
Angela, I watched a documentary over Christmas about this family had this perfectly curated online image and they were kind of considered like the, 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 the picture for what, you know, family should look like and stuff like that. Parents ended up murdering all the kids and committing suicide. It's like, what? And like, you look and you realize all that was fake. All of it was a put on. None of it was true. And so you and I can look as we walk through the Alamoana Center and see all these stores with luxury goods and see a line of people, 40 people deep outside of Louis Vuitton to pay $2,500 for a handbag and we can say, I don't really need that in my life to be happy. I can pick up something from TJ Maxx and be just as content. I don't need stuff to feel satisfied. I don't have to have a lot of followers on social media to feel like somebody. I don't have to feel like I matter by determining what other people may or may not think about me. I'm going to raise my kids to love Jesus and to love their family, and I don't really care if they're accepted by the world or not. I'm going to do what's best for us by the word of God, and everything else can take a hike. How do you get that type of perspective? From the Bible. Again, the Bible sets your ground rules for how you live life. And so that's why we got to know what the Bible says. And again, if I tell you, do you believe the Bible's God's word? Everybody say, amen. Do you believe we should live by the Bible? Amen. Do you believe the Bible's our sole authority for all matters of faith and practice? Amen. How much time did you spend in the Bible this week? Well, that wasn't very nice. Who are you to judge me? So judgy, that church, you know? No, it's a legitimate question. And again, that's the thing that frustrates me about people who are like, oh, we believe the Bible. Have you read the whole thing yet? Well, I've read the important parts. It's all important. And again, Christians who have been saved for decades have no idea what's even in this book. That's concerning. And again, people who want to get, I want to get enough information so I can go to work and argue with my coworker who's not saved. Bro, just read the Bible. I want to go to, to work and argue with my coworker who's a Jehovah's Witness. Just read the Bible. You'll be okay. Live by the book. If you say you want to be a people of the book, live by the book, but you've got to read it first. And the Bible will help you become wise. It will help you to have the appropriate perspective. Take a look at Psalm 119, verse number 105. <coughs> Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You want to have the right perspective of life? God's given you a path to walk. Do you know what your light is to allow you to see the path and walk the path? What is it? The Bible. So the path that you and I are supposed to walk. Are you saying that God's already got our, deter- our steps determined? I'm saying if you knew the Bible, you would know that the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That God already has a path you're supposed to walk, and the Word will guide you down that path. Oh, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do with my life. Great. God's Word will tell you. I don't know if I'm supposed to take this job or that job, or I'm not supposed to move here, move there. Here, I'll give you some guidance, all right? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And here's the promise. What's the promise? He'll direct your path. How about that? 
well, you see, I don't want to trust in the Lord. I'm trying to figure things out on my own. I got a sheet that I made the other night of pros and cons. Yeah, lean not into your own understanding. Set all that stuff to the side. Because often, here's the thing, get this. Mind-blowing concept for some of you today. Living by faith often doesn't make sense. That's why it's called living by faith. Not living by reason or living by pros and cons. Look, an unsaved dude can take a look at stuff on a, a spreadsheet and figure out whether or not the math adds up. That's not living by faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Every single thing that you do on a daily basis should be to glorify your father. And then he'll direct your path. That's perspective. But you see, the funny thing is, is when we try to find our path for life, we ignore the three requirements for finding the path. It doesn't work that way. You know why? Because you're not living by the word. Do what the Bible says and you'll, you'll never run afoul. You say, are you saying that I'll never have problems in my life? I never said that. I'm saying that the majority of the problems that I've had in my life have come when I haven't obeyed the word of God. And let me just tell you this while we're talking about difficulty. I know on 2022, first Sunday of the year, you want to come and help. this is your new opportunity. This is a new year for you. 2021, as crazy as it was, and 2020, as crazy as it was, this is a new year and this is a brand new start. First Sunday of the year, you're in church. Things are going to be going great. This is your year. This is, hey, look, I'm just going to shoot you straight today, all right? Many of us in this room will suffer greatly in the next 12 months. Many of us in this room in the next 12 months will face great difficulty and affliction. Guaranteed. How's that for your next 12-month outlook, right? I'm just shooting you straight. And here's the thing. Some of you are nodding your head going, yep, it's coming. I know it. You know why? Because you know the Bible. They that live godly will suffer persecution. That the, the rain falls on the, the, the just and the unjust at the same time. That if my Savior was subject to persecution, he says, hey, people are going to hate you in this world, but just know this, they hated me first. And he also said this, the servant's not above his master. I'm going to face difficulty in the new year. Why? Because I have a biblical perspective, and I know when I come to it, I know this is part of God's plan. This is part of the path that I'm supposed to walk this year. But you see, if you don't have a biblical perspective, and you have a Christianese perspective, you'll think, well, I thought that God was always good, and this isn't very good. You don't understand the Bible. You don't understand living the Christian life from a biblical perspective. Because you'll know that life isn't always easy, and life isn't always good according to you and I's good. But if you know the Bible, you know Romans 8, 28, but God works all things together for good to them that love him and to them who are the called according to his purpose. You say, oh, that's good. God's going to work this out. He's going to give me my job back. He's got a better promotion for it. No, you don't know the Bible. Continue that next verse. To be conformed into the image of Christ, Romans 8, 29. Romans 8, 28, God's working everything for your good if you love him and if you're saved. But that good, verse 29, is that you'll be conformed to the image of Christ. I'm talking about living with a biblical perspective. And you see, you'd know that if you were digging into the Bible. That's why I want you to become a student of the Word of God so that when difficulty comes, you'd be like, all right, I've been waiting for this. Now I get to practice 
walking by faith. Now I get to practice walking through difficult times. Now I get to practice trusting in God when I can't see God at work anywhere around me. Now I get to believe God's word every single day and I get to see him come through like I know that he will. That's what happens when you and I live from a biblical perspective. Next, when we live by the the Bible, we gain joy. Get Psalm 119, verse 103. How sweet are their words to my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. You see, this might hurt some of your hearts. It hurts my heart. Back in biblical times, they did not have Reese's peanut butter Christmas trees at Christmas. I know, right? Like, like if you said to the psalmist, bro, you guys don't have Christmas trees. He's like, what's Christmas? Oh, man, I forgot. Right? But like they didn't have candy. They hadn't perfected the, the art and the obesity of sugar yet. All they had was honey. And so like if you ate all your, your vegetables and ate all your lentils, you could probably have some honey afterwards, right? And so he says, hey, there's nothing sweeter to my mouth than the word of God. God's word to me is better than any candy, any sweet that I could have, any special treat that I could eat. God's word is better. Job went so far as to say this, I desire thy word more than I desire my own necessary food. Job said, I would rather hear from God than to eat a meal today. And so when we really dig into the word, we'll find joy. Verse number 111 in Psalm 119 Thy testimonies have I taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I've inclined my heart to perform thy statutes always, even until the end. Have you ever been reading the Bible? And if you haven't had this, a moment like this, it's okay. I hope that you will sometime really soon. I hope you'll have it this year. When you're reading through the Bible and you come to a verse and you're just like, oh my word, that's so good. Like out loud, like, visib- like, like audibly say, oh my goodness, it's so good. My wife often, she'll be like, oh, babe, I heard this verse. You got to hear this. And she'll read it. I'll be like, okay. No, isn't that good? All the Bible's good, sweetheart. She's like, no, like this verse. And she's like, I was looking at like three verses before that, how it connects to this verse over here. I never saw that before. It's just like, okay, babe, it's good. No, like I want you to feel it. You know why? Because the Bible's a supernatural book. And every time I read through the Bible, I've read through the Bible dozens of times in my life. But every time I read through it, I come across a verse that's like, I've never seen this verse before. Like it's fresh, it's alive. You know why? The Bible is a living book. It's alive. And you can read a verse this week and read it six weeks from now and it's gonna hit you different because it's alive. It's always good. It's always applicable to your situation. And as you read the Bible, you'll find joy that when you read the Bible, it's not going to be all rebukes and thou shalt not. You're going to come to a place where you're like, I cannot believe that the God of the universe knows me, my shortcomings, my failures, and what a despicable, terrible human being I am. And he loves me. And he chose to love me. And not only he loved me, he sent his son to die on my behalf. Like, what? I'm overwhelmed. And he said, Bro, I don't get that. Dig into the Word and you'll find it. I promise you that. Dig into the Word and find joy from the Word of God. And let me just tell you, 
<laughs> this is not a judgmental statement. This is a, a statement of confession because I've been there before. The times in my life that I did not find joy in the word of God because I was finding joy in the things of this world. And let me just tell you this. If your thing is watching three hours of Sports Center a night, and then you want to try to spend five minutes in the Bible before you walk out the front door, you're not going to find the joy. I just promise you, it's just not there. And the times in my life that I have not hungered for the Word of God, it's because my heart's already full of the things of the world. And look, my carnal flesh cannot compete with the Spirit of God when I'm feeding it continually and constantly. And so if you don't find joy from hearing the Word of God, from reading the Word of God, from spending time in the Bible and studying the Bible and, and understanding God's love for you, I would just challenge you, look, take a look at your heart and say, what's competing with my desire for the Word? Because something's not right somewhere. Next, verse number uh, 127 Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. You see, we allow our mind to be shaped by the word of God. That's another benefit of living by the book. Here's what he says. I desire thy word more than gold. Actually, more than fine gold. Look, if I said, hey, would you rather have the Bible or $50,000? Well, of course, I'd rather have the Word of God, right? That's a spiritual response. Okay, how about would you rather have God's Word or a million dollars? Hmm. We're talking about a life-changing amount of money. In exchange for what? A life-changing book? It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. You know why? Because I allow the word to shape my desires. That's why he says, I hate every false way. I now have come to the point, he's saying, that I desire God's word more than the riches that this world could possibly offer because there's nothing richer than hearing the voice of God speaking to the depths of my soul. Take a look at verse 164. Seven times a day I do praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Verse 165, it's important to clarify where it says nothing shall offend them. That means cause them to stumble in sin. Sometimes I've heard, even heard pastors use that out of context and say, well, the Bible's saying if you love the Bible, you won't ever get offended. That's not what it says. I am offended by the fact that we live in a country where it is legal and celebrated to kill children in the womb. I'm greatly offended by that. I'm greatly offended that I live in a country that shakes their fists in the face of a holy God and celebrates what the Bible calls sin. I'm offended by that. So we can be offended in a righteous way. That's not what that verse is talking about. But it's saying this, great peace have they which love God's word and they won't be drawn into sin. They won't stumble into sin. Have you ever heard somebody say before, well, you know, I was going through a rough spot in my life and I fell into some sin. You never fell into sin. It's like you, you tripped and fell in a ditch. No, you went seeking for sin and you jumped in the ditch. And so again, the Bible, God's word will help me have a perspective where I see things from a, a godly perspective, a biblical perspective, and my mind will be shaped by the word of God. 
The other thing that we receive by having and living by the word is we have hope and we have courage. <clears throat> Take a look at Psalm 119, verse 114. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. That word hope means a confident expectation. Not means like, I hope this happens. It means I know that it will happen and it brings encouragement to my soul. I hope in thy word. Depart from me, ye evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of God. Uphold me according to thy word that I may live and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Hold thou me up and I shall be safe and I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. We have hope and courage. Hey, look, I want to shoot you straight. If I wasn't a Christian, I didn't have the Bible, these last two years would have been the most difficult years of my life. I'd be terrified of everything that's coming along. I'd be glued to the news, finding out what's going to kill me this week or next week. I'd be constantly looking for the next thing that was coming up and how I was going to react to it. But here's the thing. I don't fear death. I'm not buying into a culture of fear that is sold to me by this world. I, as a Christian, am commanded to live by faith. I'm commanded to have hope. I'm commanded to have courage. I'm not going to get scared. I'm not going to cower in fear. And I'm not going to buy into a culture that thrives on fear. It's not going to do it. I would if I didn't have the Bible, though, to be honest. Look, if, if I didn't have the Bible, I would wonder, like, I can't die because I don't know what's going to happen next. I can't die because this is all there is. I got, I, got to, I got to protect my life at all costs because I don't know what comes next. But as a Christian, we know, hey, whatever takes me, whether it takes me today or 50 years from now, I'm going to heaven when I die. Praise God for that. And look, I might get sick and die before next Sunday. If I do, I've got my notes already for next Sunday's message. Trey can just preach it and we'll be good. I might die by next Sunday. Like, I'm not trying to be funny, but honestly, you guys could be planning my funeral by next Sunday. We don't have a promise of tomorrow. But I'm not going to be scared by that fact. Because again, the days of man are in the hands of the Lord. And that brings me courage. That when it's my time on this earth, man, I'm, I'm ready to go. I've lived a good life. God's been good to me. Am I trying to die? Nope. But I'm not scared of it either. Because I have hope. I have courage. Because God's word gives me that. Next, we're comforted and strengthened in time of affliction. Take a look at verse number 92. Unless thy law had been my delights, then I should have perished in mine affliction. I will never forget thy precepts. For within thou hast quickened me. That word quickened means made alive. Verse number 92 and 93. You should circle and star these and underline them. You should keep these in your back pocket because sometime this year you're going to need them. Again, I'm not a doom and gloom kind of guy. I'm just a realist. I'm, I'm a black and white kind of guy. And I'm just telling you, this year is going to be hard for a lot of us. And, you know, if you're going to get pumped up on positivity, you can listen to your Joel Osteen podcast later. Uh, but I'm just telling you what the Bible says. You will go through difficult times this year that you have no idea how you're going to get out of. I'm just telling you the truth. But you know what? You need to dig into that verse right there. Unless thy law, the word of God, had been my delights, I would have perished in mine affliction. 
but I'll never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast made me alive. This world tried to kill me, but your word made me alive. The things that I went through would have killed a lesser man, would have killed a lesser woman, but your word has given me the strength, given me the courage to persevere throughout difficulty. It's always funny to me when people try to make statements that they don't know what they're talking about. Well, it must be easy for you. My life wasn't like yours. You don't know nothing about my life. Nothing at all. Well, you know, I could praise God if my life was going good like yours. You don't know nothing about my life to be able to say statements like that. And I'm just telling you right now, if it wasn't for the Lord, I would be dead. If it wasn't for God's faithfulness, there are times that I would have wished I was dead. But God has always been faithful and there's always been enough hope and power in his word to sustain me and keep me on the right path. And the same is available for you. That's why I want to encourage you. Live by the word. The word gives us communion with other people who love the word. Take a look at verse number 74. They that fear thee will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in thy word. I love that. You know what it says? You'll find joy in knowing other Christians that love the Bible as much as you do. Isn't it great with all the craziness that's going on in the world to just come, even if you just come on Sunday mornings and be in a room full of people who love Jesus and love the Bible? There's encouragement in that. Kind of feels like you're home for a minute, right? That's what this verse promises. When other people who love the Bible see me, they'll be glad because they found another person who loves the word as well. I love people who came to our church because they saw somebody wearing a hooey collar shirt out in town or saw somebody with a hooey collar bumper sticker on the back of their car or saw somebody with a, uh, a cup that had a hooey collar sticker on it and found our church because of that. Praise God for that. They found somebody who's like, hey, are you a Christian too? Tell me about that. Tell me more about the church that you go to. Because it brings a sense of community around people that love the Bible. That's why I encourage you to be a part of a small group. You need to get plugged in to a group that you can get together with every single week, pray, praise God together, study the Bible every single week with the same group of people. You need that. I need that. Because community is built around the person of Jesus Christ and the truth of his word. Next, as we live by the word, we have a distaste for sin. Take a look at verse 103 again. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Oh, the sweetest thing in the world to me is your word, and the most disgusting thing to me is sin. And I'm just telling you, as you begin to live by the word, it's going to recalibrate your taste buds for the things of this world that you'll now find things vile and disgusting that you didn't find vile and disgusting before. I was talking with a, a friend a few weeks ago, and he said, I was getting ready to work out on the treadmill, and I got my laptop set up. I was going to watch some old episodes of Saturday Night Live from when I was in high school and college, like back in the days of classic SNL, right? He said, I watched a couple of episodes, and this wasn't funny. It was kind of filthy, and everything was sexual, and sexual innuendos, just... Wasn't funny, I turned it off. What happened? Oh, this guy doesn't recognize funny when he sees it anymore? No, his taste buds have just changed. Sin isn't funny anymore. I can't laugh at what God calls sin. It's not funny. 
I don't find humor in watching TV shows where there's sexual immorality in the storyline we're supposed to laugh about it like it's funny. God calls it sin, I don't think it's funny. I don't find humor in jokes that use God's name as a curse word. It's just not funny to me. I look at my own life and I'm disgusted by walking with Jesus for decades and there's some, still some things that I struggle with day after day. And he said, you must be a terrible Christian. I find myself in the same place as Paul does. I know the things I'm supposed to do and I don't do them. I know the things I'm not supposed to do and those are the things that my heart wants to do. But the only thing that will deliver me is Jesus Christ from that. And by spending time in the word. Next, by living by the word, we have peace. Turn your foot over to Psalm 170, uh, Psalm 119, verse 170. <laughs> verse 170, let my supplication come before thee, deliver me according to thy word. My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. Let thine hand help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. I have longed for my, thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. Let my soul live, and it shall praise thee, and let thy judgments help me. Look at verse 176. I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. Verse 176 is an interesting way to close this big, huge chapter of praise about the word of God. I love your word. I want to follow your word. I hate it when I don't. And he he closes it out with this. I'm just a sheep who sometimes goes astray. Please don't forget me and come and find me and bring me back because I love your word. And friend, I hope that's the heartbeat of your heart this morning. I love the Bible, but I struggle. Amen. Welcome to the club. You have chosen this morning to surround yourself with a room full of sinners that are determinedly less than what they truly want to be in life but are striving to take a step forward today, tomorrow, and every other day until we see Jesus. Some of us are succeeding, some of us are failing, but all of us are pushing forward to that. If you find yourself as a sinner in great need of God's grace, you're in a great place today. If you're looking for a church that's perfect and everybody's got everything together, you're in the wrong place and you should find a different church. But I think 176 provides a lot of peace for us. I love your word. I'm going to go astray. But when I do, would you come and find me and bring me back? Because all I want is to be in your presence. I want to be with your word. So just a few practical tips on how we can live by the Bible this year. First of all, become a student of God's word. And by student, I mean study in the Bible. Every Christian should have a study Bible. If you don't have one, we have some in our, our bookstore. We have the Open Bible, which is the very first study Bible that my wife and I ever bought. I bought my wife a study Bible 23 years ago. She still has it. It's in pieces, literally. Like, we're going to have to have it rebound. It's in pieces. But it's marked up from cover to cover with notes and sermon notes and highlights and, and things like that. But she's absolutely, literally devoured the Word of God. Become a student of the Word of God like that. And so we have the Open Bible. I think it's like 30 bucks. Life Application Study Bible is one of the best study Bibles I think that there is because not only does it have the Bible at the top, at the bottom it tells you in plain English, here's what you're supposed to do with what you just read outstanding study Bible. Cost of that's $50. And look, I'm talking about buying a $50 Bible that'll last you for decades. Massive investment in your Christian walk. Have a study Bible. Get some pens that you can write in it with. 
they, they make different types of pens that don't bleed through in the, the pages of a Bible and stuff like that. Uh, my favorite is the, the Pilot G series. I love Pilot G pens. But there's a .05 that they make that's super light that doesn't bleed through the pages. Uh, that's one that I use when I'm writing in my Bible. Make notes. Again, I think one of the greatest gifts that I have to pass on to my children as far as family heirlooms when I die is my Bibles. I want my boys... I want my girls to one day flip through my Bible and get to the book of Psalms and just see notes everywhere. I want them to get to the book of Romans and just see like lines and arrows and and underlines and double underlines and stars. I want to give that to them one day. And so I'm not going to go through like I'm scrapbooking and make something special for them to give them. I want them to see my walk with Jesus over decades. You know what I'm saying? And so become a student of the word. We have some uh, Bible dictionaries that are thick like an encyclopedia, like 20 bucks. Get a Bible dictionary so that if you got questions like, hey, that word propitiation, what does it mean? I'm going to look it up. Hey, how is propitiation different than justification? I'm going to look that up. Hey, where's the Jordan River and where's it at today? I'm going to look that up. What was the significance of the Jordan River? Look that up. So become a student of the Bible. And look, if you're just look, getting your Bible knowledge from Sunday mornings, you're doing yourself a great disservice. You need to dig into the Bible on your own. Every father should be the family theologian for his household. Every husband should be the family theologian for your marriage. He said, well, I don't really know that much about the Bible. Good, get started because you're behind. If you need help, I'm more than willing to help you. But we need to, and again, if you're a parent and you're expecting your kids in an hour of super church, which I believe is one of the best children's ministries on the planet, in the history of the world, if you're looking for that to be your kid's only source of learning the Bible, you're doing your kids a great disservice. So I encourage you, be a student of the Word. Next, have a Bible reading plan. You don't have to read through the whole Bible in a year. I know you think that that's like the gold standard for what every Christian should do. You don't have to do it. Just pick a plan and stick with it. Maybe you want to read the Psalms. If you read five Psalms a day, you can read the entire book of Psalms in a month. Five Psalms a day. It'll change your life. You can read one proverb a day. That's easy. Today's the second. You read Proverbs 2. There's 31 Proverbs. You can read through all the book of Proverbs in a month if you read one proverb a day. But do more than just read a proverb. Study a proverb a day. Look, find two Proverbs. There's two statements out of the book of Proverbs and study those statements. That'll change your life. Hey, if you struggle with anger, study what the Bible has to say about anger and put together a Bible reading plan on anger if you want to. The YouVersion app that you can download to your phone. Hey, download that. There's Bible reading plans on that that you can follow. Next, make daily time for the study of God's Word. Please understand that reading the Bible and studying the Bible are two different things. You should read the Bible before you leave the house in the morning. Most of us wouldn't leave the house without brushing our teeth first. You shouldn't leave the house without reading your Bible either. But studying the Word, digging in deep, pulling truth out, Allowing God's word to change my life, that's different than just spending five minutes in the word before I head out the door. Make time. Maybe you need to put on the calendar and and schedule an appointment on your calendar. Hey, I'm going to take this time, I'm going to study the word this week. Next, if you want to hear from God, he speaks through his word. God doesn't speak through dreams and visions and new words of prophecy. (laughs) And look, deep-seated hatred I have in my heart for the phrase of, we just need a fresh revelation from God. No, you don't. 
You need to study the 66 books that he's already revealed and obey them. And when you've mastered the entire Bible, I think maybe God might give you a fresh revelation then. But you don't need it because we'll never master what we have. You want to hear from God? Read his word. <laughs> I've heard before. If you want to hear from God audibly, read the Bible aloud. Because <laughs> God doesn't speak any way other than through his word. It's funny to me people are looking for direction in life but they don't read the Bible. It's like I'm trying to find my way but I don't have a map or a GPS. I'm just going to kind of walk until I find what I'm looking for. No. Find a map that will guide you to where you want to go. The God's word does that for you. It does that for me. I remember when my wife and I went to New Orleans this past <coughs> summer on vacation. There's all these, uh, New Orleans is a cesspool of witchcraft and sorcery and new age spirituality and nonsense. Just absolute, utter filth, terrible. Uh, and so we're going through there and we're walking through and every sidewalk that you go to has somebody with a card table set up doing tarot card readings. And these people are not respectable looking people. I mean, if you imagine what, if crystal meth took on a human form, that's like what this looks like. And I'm going to take this person who looks like meth and I'm going to give them $20 and ask them to give me direction for life by flipping over cards. What? It's easy for you and I to look at that and go, that's so foolish. Where do you go? Oh, I go to the Bible. Do you? Do you really? Is that where you find your direction from or you just kind of figure it out on your own? You see what social media has to say. I watch a couple of YouTube videos and try to figure out life from. Man, spend time in the Word. It'll give you the direction that your heart craves. And finally, this will literally change your life. Choose to obey every single thing that God illuminates in His Word. Everything. Maybe you need to put a stake in the ground from this point forward in your life. I'm just going to obey God's word every single time. When Angela and I made that commitment, there were some areas of my life that I did not want to change. I knew the Bible required me to share my faith, but I don't like talking to people. I'm an introvert, and I feel awkward talking to people about religion. Because, you know, there's two things you don't talk about in polite company, politics and religion. And so I don't want to talk to people about my faith, and so that's just weird. That's not me. Well, the Bible tells you to. So what are you going to do? I guess I'm just going to obey. And so I obey. Is it still uncomfortable? Every single time. But I do it because I'm commanded to. I want to be obedient. And so maybe there's an area of your life where God's calling you to obedience or you just don't want to. Maybe there's sin in your life that you're not willing to make right. Just obey God's word. Your sin isn't worth hanging on to. I promise you that. It's not going to bring you the joy that walking with Jesus will. Maybe it's your church attendance. Maybe it's your Bible reading. Maybe it's your prayer life. Maybe it's your, your tithing. Maybe it's your giving. Maybe it's your heart towards missions. Maybe it's your heart towards the gospel. Maybe it's your lack of evangelism that God has challenged you with that you're just like, yeah, I'll take care of this, but everything else is kind of off limits. I remember when Angel and I first started walking with Jesus, I was willing to be in church on Sunday mornings and even some Sunday nights. I was willing to tithe. I was brought up as a kid in church that you always give God the first 10% of anything that you get. So I didn't have a problem with that. But my music was kind of my thing. I mean, that was back in the day when you had to buy CDs at a record store, right? Some of you don't know nothing about that. But where the uh, Walgreens is up here on KEMOKU used to be a Tower Records on that corner. I dumped thousands of dollars in that store. 
Music was my thing. Like, hey, I'll give God everything, but my music is kind of off limits. That's always been my thing. Don't mess with that. God doesn't work that way. Okay, you said you would obey me in everything, but this area you're not willing? Okay, I will. And no lie, I took out probably $5,000 worth of CDs and dumped them in our garbage container. I had to wait for a second pickup. I had so much stuff to throw away. And I remember Angela, again, we were just new to walking with Jesus. She was like, don't you want to like sell those or put them in a yard sale? This is back before Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace. Don't you want to like put those in a yard sale or put them out on the curb or something like that? And I said this, I'll never forget it. If I don't feel right having them, I don't feel right about giving them to anybody else either. Because if this stuff truly is trash in the eyes of God, there's one place where it belongs. Let me just tell you, that was one of the hardest things I'd ever done in my life up to that point. But the joy that I got from it weeks later, (laughs) couldn't trade it for anything in the world. And I'm telling you this, that was just part of my journey in getting to where I am today in my walk with Christ. It's just one step of obedience at a time. I want to encourage you, make a commitment. God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm just going to do it. Every time I open up the Bible, every single time that I read the Bible for my personal devotion and worship time, before I open it, I say the same simple prayer, and it's not vain repetition because I really mean it. God, speak to me through your word, and whatever you tell me to do, I promise I'll obey. And then I crack the Bible. And sometimes days it's like, yeah, that was good. Other days it's just like, oh, great. I already committed to obey. I guess I got to do it now, right? That's part of loving the word and living by the word. You want one thing that will change your life this year? Live by the word. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.